and welcome to Classical Stuff You Should Know. We are a podcast. Hey, pardon. <laughs> Keep it going. We're a podcast. We're a podcast <laughs> about, <laughs> about classical things. We like to talk about old books, education, old philosophy, all that sort of stuff. And today we are talking about Tesla. Mm. Uh, not, not the company, the man, okay. Nicholas Tesla. So he had a wife and her name was Joan and she was actually British and they made, they wanted to give her some nobility, but she wasn't landed, but because she was married to Tesla, they named her Joan of Arc because of the whole like, electricity thing. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. I've never heard yeah, that that's before. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing. You guys should look it up. She was Joan of Arc number two. We're doing Joan of Arc today? I thought we were doing Henry V. Didn't you, you just say Joan yeah, of Arc? Yeah, I know. Just I'm just I'm just you literally just said Joan of Arc. I know. We're doing... That's wait, the she'll, worst. She'll, no, she'll come up at the end. Um, yes, she is part of the story. That's the worst feeling. I, uh, I'm no. so sorry, AJ. <laughs> just kidding. Um, I said podcast. I'm, podcast. A, I'm like over right. two today. Hey, this is... Uh, we we did just feed you and your... Uh, your uh, I got, nap. Uh, you're 10 minutes away from falling asleep. Food for sure. 10 minutes away from... We got our. We got as much AJ as we're going to get. And then... Yeah, I'm done. Do you talk about quieter? Maybe kind of... So we can do some lullabies right now too. Henry the please don't. Oh my gosh, so tired. <laughs> okay, so where we so where we <laughs> left off last time was a bit of a cliffhanger. Henry V had ascended to the throne, and the uh, Burgundy the Burgundy people the Burgundians um, they were French. Burgs um, were fighting against yeah. the Burgs. Yeah. Your it's your people. Yeah. Uh, they were fighting against the uh, other family. I think it was the the House of Orleans. I think. Anyway, and they said, hey, man, you should be king of France. Like, we have mad King Charles VI. He's crazy. Uh, We talked about how crazy he was. And you should be king. And Henry's like, I agree. He's in France. He has a great victory at the battle at, uh, what was it, Le Havre. He takes back a castle. That's where he, uh, Shakespeare immortalizes him in his big speech of the once more into the breach, dear friends. And then they took Le Havre, and they're like, all right, but we haven't gotten that speech, right? No, we didn't. Well, we will. We'll, we'll the Agent Court speech we're getting. At the very end of yeah. last episode. Yeah, we're getting there. No, he gave us the wrong speech, right? No, no I'm giving that's you that right speech. Okay. But you're confusing Once More in the Breach, Dear Friends, with We Happy Few. You're confusing the two speeches. Got it. Yeah, okay. So if the Once More in the Breach, Dear Friends is not a speech. He just says Once More in the Breach, Dear Friends, and then jumps into the battle with his sword. And so everyone's like... Sh- technically, a short speech. Very short <laughs> speech. Um, uh, point AJ. They La Havre is taken, <laughs> and then down. everyone's like, "Hey, man, this war's going great. Let's quit while we're ahead. Let's go back to England and be merry." And and uh, Henry's like, "You know what? I got one last thing I want to do. I want to get Calais. Calais is this awesome castle. It's supposed to be ours. I'm gonna go get Calais. You guys go home or go in your boats and meet me at Calais. And I'm gonna go by land and I'm gonna take it over." And so the rest of his forces and, like, wagons and everything went on the boats. Uh, and they were stationed, stationed, uh, moored off the coast by Calais. And he traveled by land north to go to Calais, which I think is technically in Belgium nowadays. I don't know. Anyway. Um, but there was really bad weather, as we talked about in the last episode. And he had to kind of go further inland. And by this point, the Dauphin, the crazy King Charles VI son, also named Charles, um... Uh, had him, was stuck between him and Calais. There was no, are you looking that up, Megby? I think Calais is in France. It's still in France? Okay. It's in the north. Uh, It's getting close to Belgium. Um, It is. And uh, um, so Henry is wanting to get to Calais, and the Dauphin is there. This is when Henry um, uh, um, challenged the Dauphin to single combat to the Dauphin said no. And the Dauphin's like, I'm not doing that. Because the Dauphin had like 20 times the men 
that Henry had. I looked into that. Traditionally, the story goes that the French had 20,000 troops and the English had 1,000 knights. But I think uh, more recently when they looked into it, he probably had 1,000 mounted knights but had maybe 8,000 men. So, but still, that's like almost two to one. That's two to one, more than two to one. So, of course, the Dauphin's like, yeah, I'm not doing single combat. And then Henry said, listen, we don't need to fight. All you need to do is just move and let me have Calais. And the Dauphin said, I'll do that if you you give up your title of King of France. And Henry's like, no deal. Right. Now, meanwhile, so he's at two to one odds and he has no supply chain, like no trail, like his wagons are in a boats and he's kind of in, a, in some trouble. Wait, wagons in the boats? Yeah, yeah. What is this wizardry? Uh, the, well, the bag wagons went in the boats. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And, um, <laughs> and so they are camped outside of the, the battle, uh, the, the castle called, uh, English, we would call it Agincourt, but uh, Agincourt, the, the French word, uh, and our, all our French listeners are like fingers on chalkboard. <laughs> um, and, uh, um, and so there's ca- they're outside Calais in the north, and then this castle, which they didn't know what it was called at that time. Uh, Henry didn't. Uh, which comes into the story in a second. And so the story goes, and I mentioned it last time, that the French were having a raucous drunken party, basically divvying up the spoils before the battle, and the English were very somber, and Henry said, no fires. Uh, I don't want them to see how many people we have. Everyone, keep it, zip. No one says anything. No songs, no drinking, no dancing, no gambling, no nothing. And the English were like, okay. Um, there's a very famous scene. <laughs> so the scene. night before I yeah. die, I can't even have a little drink. That's right. <laughs> Thanks, King. So there's a very famous scene in Henry V of Shakespeare where King Henry dresses like a commoner, a common soldier, and walks through the camp and talks to the soldiers to see what their mood is like. And they're like, yeah, well, I still friggin' love Henry. And, so, and, and the king's like, this is awesome. Anyway, um, and so uh, uh, the next day, the, where the, the day that the battle took place, was a holiday in England, and when, uh, I think it was, in Shakespeare has it as the Duke of Warwick. I don't know who said it, but one of the, the Dukes said, hey man, it would be awesome if everybody who was on holiday tomorrow could fight with us. And Henry says, the big speech in Henry V. Now, Thomas, I think you had asked me, what does Hen- what is actually recorded in history of what Henry says? Sure. And the only thing that I could find is two things. One is basically, you think the French can beat us? That's one thing he said. What, he, what, what it was actually recorded from um, the Gesta Henrici, uh, yes. which is the old uh, history of uh, Henry V, is what you not, that the Lord with these few can overthrow the pride of the French? So you don't think, you think that we can't overthrow the pride of the French? That's that was funny. one thing that Henry said. And the other thing that we have recorded that Henry actually said was, for me, this day never shall England pay ransom. Mm. In other words... They're not going to capture? They're not going to capture me because I'm going down fighting, boys. I'm going to die where we're going to win. Okay. So England's not paying for my release. Right. I was hoping you were going to say something like, come at me, bro. Right. Right. I mean, that's essentially <laughs> basically. it. That's Throw basically it what he's Throw saying. Throw hands. Yeah. Throw hands. So, Engl- so Henry says, don't worry. You don't have to pay for me. Right. I'm gonna, um, we're going to go down dying. Uh, Shakespeare. I feel like those fighting words were somewhat better than the what we got today, which is mostly like what, 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 what? bro, what? you lot. <laughs> hey, bro. 
Um, Does Shakespeare so Shakespeare has a, a much more stirring speech, and I'm going to read it because it's famous, and uh, I've set it up, and it is not the speech that I read last time, which was, I'm pretty sure, another Shakespearean speech, yes. but from a, wrong, from a different play. Yes. I, I can't remember the name either. Yeah. Okay. So, Warwick... It, it was called Welcome to Earth. That's right. Welcome to Earth. Um, Warwick stands up, and he's like, oh, man, oh, oh that we now had here, but one ten thousand of those men in England that do not work today. So, Warwick's like, man, we could really use some of those, like, guys on holiday. And Henry says, what's he that wishes so? My cousin Warwick? No, my fair cousin. If we are marked to die, we are enough to do country loss. And if to live, the fewer men, the greater share of honor. God's will, I pray thee, wish not one man more. By Jove, I am not covetous for gold, nor care I who doth feed upon my cost. It errands me not if men my garments wear. Such outward things dwell not in my desires. But if it be a sin to covet honor... I am the most offending soul alive. <laughs> no, faith, my cuz, wish not a man from England. God's peace, I would not lose so great an honor as one man more methinks would share from me for the best hope I have. Oh, do not wish one more. Rather proclaim it presently through my host that he which hath no stomach to this fight, let him depart. His passport shall be made and crowns for his convoy put into his purse. We would not die in that man's company that fears his fellowship to die with us. This day is called the Feast of Crispian. He that outlives this day and comes home safe will stand a tiptoe when this day is named and rouse him at the name of Crispian. He that shall see this day and live to old age will yearly on the vigil feast his neighbors and say, Tomorrow is St. Crispian. Then will he strip his sleeve and show his scars and say, These wounds I had on Crispin's day. Old men forget. Yet all shall be forgot, but he'll remember. With advantages what feats he did that day. Then shall our names, familiar in the mouth as household words, Harry the King, Bedford and Exeter, Warwick and Talbot, Salisbury and Gloucester, be in their flowing cups freshly remembered. This story shall good man teach his son. And Crispin, Crispian shall ne'er go by from this day to the ending of the world, but we in it shall be remembered. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. For he that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. Be he ne'er so vile, this day shall gentle his condition. And gentlemen in England, now abed, shall think it themselves accursed that they were not here, and hold their manhoods cheap, whilst any speaks that fought with us upon St. Crispin's Day. And everyone goes like, yeah! Yeah! <laughs> and then off they go. Yeah. Is that where Band of Brothers comes from? Yeah. The mm -hmm. name for the yep. miniseries? Yeah, that is such a good speech. A it's speech. one of Shakespeare's greatest. I can't read it without so feeling good. some goosebumps. It's so good. Anyway. Um, Henry didn't say that those exact words, but he did basically say like, what, you think that we can't beat the French? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the same thing. Yeah. Now, um, so then, he, uh, it was basically a win or die. And the story goes that, 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 um, Henry gets on his horse and he's in his, he's wearing his jeweled crown, which he takes off before the battle. And he's in his leopard and fleur-de-lis red and blue, you know, like Cossack or whatever it's called. So he looking fly. He looking yes. fly. He's wearing the royal coat of arms. And 
this is when he says, hey, you know, let us pass. Uh, and the Dauphin says, no, give up your crown. Um, <laughs> and then Henry's like, no, we're going to fight. He and all of the knights dismount from their horses because the battlefield was kind of narrow. And both men were, both armies were kind of on either sides of a hill. And there was basically at the bottom, it wasn't like, we're not talking a ravine, but it was a hill down. And most of the fighting was going to happen at the, the bottom of, the, between the two hills. And the French were uh, clearly outnumbering the English, and they were the ones on the attack, and the French had the defensive position, so the French moved forward. Um, and uh, um, we heard Shakespeare, uh, um, uh, uh, Henry V mention a couple of people that were at this battle. Um, the two important ones for our story were Bedford, which is his brother. I think it was his brother. Uh, the Duke of Bedford is his brother. I th- yeah, it must have been the same Bedford. And then, but importantly for this battle, the Duke of Gloucester, which is also his brother, Humphrey. Anyway. Um, Humphrey of Gloucester? Humphrey of That's Gloucester. That's a mouthful. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, he's kind of fun. We'll get to him later. Um, so they, the French uh, move in and, um, uh, and sort of come galloping down the, the, the embankment. Um, to the bottom of the hill, and the English opened fire. Now, the French had crossbows, but they couldn't shoot their crossbows far enough to hit the English. The French also had cannons, but they didn't really know how to use them, so there was, like, <laughs> blasting cannonballs in the wrong direction. Um, cannons weren't very useful back then, right? but they were starting to happen. But they, you know, they couldn't aim them. It was really bad. How do you get one and not know how to use well, it? Well, you, you don't want to, like, shoot it, and then you can't aim it, and you, like, blow up your own guy. It's just bad. So they didn't really, they couldn't really use cannons. It was mostly like scary as uh-huh. opposed to dangerous. Like just the noise. Loud noise, right. And the crossbows couldn't reach English, but the English longbows could, could definitely reach, reach yeah. the French. So the long, so the French horses come in, start coming in. The English put down their stakes. So that's like the sticks that would, uh, when the French charged them, they would charge into the stakes. And then the, um, the knights stood behind the stakes holding the line, and then the archers were behind them and then flanking them so that as the French came in, they kind of entered into this bowl. At the, at the bottom of the bowl was the knights, and on the sides and behind the knights were arrows just raining down on the French. Horses started freaking out, uh, and the horses tried to, like, turn around, and then they run into other horses, and then it becomes this big mess. As soon as men started falling off their horses and getting arrowed, they fell down. Horses were tripping over them. People were tripping over them. It was this, it was a, basically a slaughter. Uh, by the end of the battle, it was 10 to 1 casualties, mm. oh. French to English. Wow. Um, everyone, including Henry, fought on foot. And so even though they were t- being attacked by men on horse, they fought on foot, and that proved to be the smart move because of how muddy it was. Horses just got stuck. And, um, um, and did, did they fight in armor? They fought in armor. Oh, yeah. Okay, I was just... Well, I, I seem to remember something about the battle where they let the French wear all this heavy armor and get stuck in the mud where the English guys didn't. And I'm they just not ran around, sure like, about that, the but I think the fact that they weren't on their horses probably meant that there was p- parts of their getup that they weren't wearing, right. big spurs, that kind of yeah. thing. But I, I don't know that detail. Um... um before the battle, the archers reportedly kissed the soil and said, hurrah for St. George and Mary England, which is very nice. 
Um, <laughs> That's, I like that. I don't know. Isn't that kind of an insult yeah. if you're in someone else's country? No, but they thought it was England because it was their own ancestral land. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Henry um, I was going to say, if I walk up to Canada and I kiss the ground, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, hurrah for Texas and George Bush. <laughs> so it's not maybe the yeah. right thing. So the sure. Dauphin <laughs> kind of fought, but the Dauphin sort of sat, behind, sat back on his horse and watched the fight. And the 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 Zitaner. leading yeah the leading general <laughs> of the army was uh, the Duke of Al Alençon Alençon um, Alan Alençon anyway <laughs> no. that was um, it anyway so the Duke comes in and he's fighting Humphrey Duke of Gloucester gets oh. struck down on the ground in his armor and Henry thinks his brother has just been killed and Henry rushes to his brother's defense saves his brother from death in the mud, mm. um, brings his brother back, and mean. And then while this is happening, somebody kills the Duke of Alençon, kills the leading general of the French army. Um, uh, uh, Churchill says that the, that the living fell upon the dead and then the living fell upon the living. So there was dead bodies and people, and the living fell on that, and then the people... So it's just basically this crush of That's humanity people. as it came down... And um, the French barely even made it to the English line, but they did. But they had to like go through this mountain of dead, half dead English or French horses and French military Jeez. men. Meanwhile, the arrows are raining down on them. Okay, um, Duke of Gloucester gets saved, although he's hurt. Um, the Duke of Alençon gets killed, um, and at this point, all the French nobles were like, "Oh, we lost." And they did what they normally do, which is sort of surrender. And they're like, all right, we're going to be. Yeah, we're going to. Some of them retreated. They said, we're going to lose. We're going to be held hostage. And then we're going to have to pay a ransom. And it was kind of this whole song and dance. And that was how the battle probably should have ended, was that the French were sort of surrendered. And the Dauphin was like, oh, oh, crap. Um, And so Henry had all of these, basically the whole flower of the French nobility were captured in the battle. And they were sort of wrapping up the battle. The, the fighting was kind of trailing off. And there were a bunch of French peasants who were following the train of the army. And they were like, now's our chance. And so these French peasants uh, circumvented the entire battle and went and raided the English camp. And they stole <laughs> Henry's crown. Oh, wow. They stole his um, wardrobe. His like fancy clothes, right. and they stole his kingly seal, like the thing that oh uses to like make laws, That's like his awesome. ring. Yeah. So the French it grabbed just, all this. It just makes me think of the 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 French guys in Monty Python in Search of the mm-hmm. Holy Grail. Like I'm just imagining that yeah that guy it's running back. Yeah. I've got your crown. Yeah. <laughs> so they stole this French stuff, and Henry and um, the men thought that they had been surrounded by another army. They thought that there was this was a trick. Oh yeah, and they're like, oh crap. And so then they promptly killed every single nobleman on the field. Oh, wow. So the entire flower of French chivalry was killed. Oh, my word. When they all thought that they were going to be ransomed for lots and lots of money. But they were absolutely decimated because the British thought that the battle was still going on. And it's a debate whether Henry used that as an excuse or whether he actually thought that they were surrounded and he he thought, you know, treason, trickery, and killed all the French. Right. Does Henry get his stuff back? Henry gets his stuff back. The peasants were like, no, my bad. And then, they, <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, the, the crown, the seal, they all get back. Okay. I and found this uh, fellow's the fake truck. <laughs> it, is, it is the, probably, well, uh, Churchill calls it the, uh, the Battle of Agincourt ranks as the most heroic, heroic of all the land battles in England has ever fought. Wow. Um, 
Um, with uh, justifiable confidence, they awaited the attack of less than a third their number, who, far from home in many marches from the sea, must win or die, mounted upon a small gray horse, with a richly jeweled crown upon his helmet, and wearing his royal surcoat of leopards and lilies, the king drew up his array. And then he dismounts and fights. But anyway, um, so in that battle, Henry not only kills almost every single French nobleman except for the Dauphin, he saves his brother's life in open combat, and he's absolutely decimated the, uh, the rival house to the Burgundians and basically the rival house to Henry taking over the throne. He's the undisputed master of these two kingdoms, England and France. Because there's no other army sort there's of There's no other around. armies. Um, uh, and um, <laughs> even if there were, all of the like important dudes were killed and their kids now take over and they're like 12. Right. So right. Um, something must go very wrong though because oh, there's okay. not one unified England Correct. and France. Yeah, it takes some time. Is there a unified England and France? There is not a unified oh, England and oh, France, but there is for a little bit. Um, um, so at the end of the battle, uh, Henry looks around and he says, hey, what's the name of that castle? And someone says, well, that's the castle of Agincourt. And he's like, forever this will be known as the Battle of Agincourt. And everyone's like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> um, and, uh, did, he, did he not know before that? Was no, he like, you're, you're we call that castle over there. I don't know. He's in a different country. You know? weren't the, the French were like trailing him for a long that's time. That's right. And mm-hmm. He was trapped here. He was trapped here. He didn't want to He didn't want to be here. He just right. wanted to go to Calais. He just right. wanted to Calais. Yes. Um, and so he was trapped. Well, and then when the battle was done, he's like, hey, what's that thing called? Like, Agincourt. He's like, Battle of Agincourt. Write it down. But I still feel like... Oh, sorry, go. No, I was going to say now he has all of France instead of just yep. the one town that he wanted. Correct. So this worked out for him. Why, um, why don't we name castles cooler things? Agincourt? What's wrong with that? That's a great name. I mean, that's a cool name, but it could be like... What's a better name? Death Hill. Or nope. so, you nope. know, like something sweet. Could have nope. been Death Hill. Could have been. Yeah, maybe <laughs> what's... Agincourt is maybe something cool in French? Yeah, that's right. Maybe it's French. Dragon Perch. Yeah. Tuesday. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Dragon Perch Tuesday. Yep. <laughs> anyway... Um, and then, so there, there now needs to be a treaty between France and England because England has won the day and the French don't really have any army. They don't really have any noblemen. Um, and, uh, if you remember the Northern part of France had been English for a long time and the Southern part of France had never been English at all. And so France is now kind of this divided realm, whereas the French King was King over all of it. Uh, the British really only cared about the northern part because right. that was theirs. But if they're like, hey, if we get the southern part too, awesome, rock and roll. So everybody knows that a treaty is coming. Henry goes back to London to have a victory parade. And um, and it, uh, this is what Churchill says about that victory parade. He rode in triumph through the streets of London with spoils and captive displayed to his delighted people. He himself wore a plain dress and he refused to allow his bruised helmet and bended sword to be shown to the admiring crowd, lest they should forget that the glory was due to God alone. Oh, so, dude, this guy. <laughs> he's so cool. Okay, at this point... Uh, is he the, still pretty young? How he's still he? pretty young. Yeah. Uh, so I don't 20s, know how old he is. Okay. He only dies at like 34 or something. So he is. Yeah, so he, yeah. 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 Um, um, anyway, so um, at this point, the Holy Roman Emperor, King Sigismund, um, comes to uh, England just to like you know chill and 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 visit the crown and King Sigismund basically recognizes Henry as the king of France. So in 1416, the Holy Roman Emperor Sigismund v- comes to London and says, "Yeah, you're French. You're okay. the king of France. You're awesome." 
Um, Sigismund is an important king in uh, the uh, Holy Roman Empire. We don't have enough time to get into it, but f- um, uh, he, I think, is the bad guy in uh, the, a video game, um, like the one that's uh, based on like really realistic um, medieval. What's it called? Kingdom. Is it Mount and Blade? No, not Mount and Blade. Oh, Kingdom Come. Kingdom Come. Deliverance. Anyway, whatever. That's- that's not about heaven. I feel like that's about. No, and no, it sounds like it's about <laughs> heaven. Sounds like it's about. I feel anyway, like that's a Christian video game. But, Sig- yeah. but uh, Sigismund's in that game. Whatever. Okay. Holy Roman Emperor Sigismund says, "You're the king of France." Awesome, rock and roll. Okay, then they have to negotiate the treaty and they have to figure out this whole succession thing. When crazy, when crazy Charles dies, uh, Charles VI, when he's dead, Henry now needs to, he needs to become king of France. Henry goes um, to uh, France and they have what's known as the Treaty of Troyes, or Troyes, if we want to anglicize it, T-R-O-Y-E-S. So uh, the Treaty of Troyes, or the Treaty of Troyes, um, he goes, and at this point, uh, Charles VI says, you were king of France, and you are, what is the actual title? Um, You are the heir to the French kingdom and the regent during the rest of my life. So he is the de facto ruler of France and will be the... Um, the Fran- the, he will be the, the French ruler in truth as king when Charles is dead. He's now the heir, um, which means that the Dauphin uh, uh, has been, also named Charles, has been deposed. And he retreats back to the south of France where everyone's like, you're my king, bro. You're my real king. I don't recognize this British king. So Charles VI, sorry, Charles VII, as he will later be known, goes to the south to like lick his wounds and be with the people that believe that he's the actual king. Okay. Henry is now the supreme ruler of England and France, um, although they're still the king of France. And how, how, how do the French people feel about this? Um, are they okay with it because he's this awesome rad conqueror or are they... Are they I mean, sort split. of like French or English usurper? They're, they're, they're split. The Burgundians are think it's great because um, they, they hate the, the House of Orléans. The, the House of Orléans are ticked that they just lost the crown. Sure. So the South don't like them. Uh, the North were like, well, we're kind of, we're, we're Norman, which is kind of English and kind of French. And, you know, so like, you know, some of them were probably new boss, same as the old boss. Yeah, I, f- I feel like some of the peasants would just be like, well, I still got a farm. Yeah, right exactly. Now. Yeah. Farm and um, pay taxes, right? Yeah. But it's always great. You know, you go from crazy King Charles to awesome Henry V. You I mean, made, that's got to be a good switch. That's got to be. That's why I asked is yeah. because it seems like if your king previously thought he was a window pane that could be shattered. Yep. Having a new guy that has his has his wits yep. together. That's probably a nice. That's probably a good good switch. Bit of an upgrade. Yeah. Sure. Um, so yeah, so Henry becomes king of France, and he immediately then goes and secures some pretty sweet titles for his brothers. So he goes to old Queen Joanna of Naples, and who apparently either had an heir or didn't have an heir, and he's like, "Hey, Queen Joanna, you're getting old. How about you have my." eldest brother, and I think his eldest brother is, uh, oh yeah, Thomas of Clarence. He's like, hey, how about you have Thomas, Duke of Clarence, become the heir of Naples? And Joanna's like, fine. <laughs> and so, um, uh-huh. so Joanna, uh, Queen Joanna of Naples has, has uh, the Duke of Clarence become the heir to the, uh, um, the throne in Italy. That's um, awesome. And is, Napoli is yeah. a wonderful place. And right. then um, the King of Castile, and who was going to be the heir of Portugal was related to him through his mom. Um, no, through his aunt somehow. And so he's like, he's got ties to the Portuguese and the Spanish crown. Is he like unifying all yeah, of these? Yeah, he is. And then yeah. he's like, all right, all we got left 
are, I mean, we know them as the Dutch, but he's like, all we get got left are Holland and Hainault and Zeeland, mm-hmm. which is sort of the, the, the boggy region in the north. And he's like, I got to marry off uh, my brother to somebody up there. All right. Turns out there was this real cute uh, girl um, and she was an heir to the throne. Her name was Joanna of Holland and Hainault. Um, and she was married to essentially like just a soupy, like phlegmatic French nobleman way younger than her. Uh, he was like 15 and she was 19. Mm. She was beautiful. She was ambitious. She was super clever. And she was married to like basically like a Kleenex okay. of a guy. Okay. And she is not happy. And um, she eventually, I, I don't know the full story. All I know is that she eventually flees to England and gets the Pope, who's not actually the Pope. He's the anti-Pope, uh, Benedict the Thirteenth. I think it is. Is it Benedict the Thirteenth? Anyway. Took a, this took a turn. Wow. Uh, there's an anti-Pope at this point. Yeah, Benedict the Thirteenth. Okay. Um, she gets the anti-Pope to annul her marriage. And so then she's now, she's cute and she's single and... How do you, how do you get that done? Does the anti-pope have to fight the pope? <laughs> um, yep. <laughs> you got to convince, you got to convince the, the pope that you and your husband never uh, consummated the marriage and that there's something wrong with them. And the pope's like, cool. Now, it's not great. It's really bad, but uh, he's an anti-pope. There's other problems going on in Rome. So he's like, yeah, 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 Is yeah, this yeah, the period yeah. where they had like... Four popes, isn't there? Is that why you say anti-pope? Because there are He's known as the anti-pope. That's okay. why I don't know what to say. Was there only um, one pope? Were there other popes? But he's not like the anti-Christ. No. I think this is when there was two popes. Okay. Okay. Other he's pope. just known as the, uh, the anti-pope. There was a French pope and an Italian pope. I think he was the Italian pope. I can't remember. I'll Benedict Thirteenth. Thomas, you can do some fact-checking. Uh, this says Italian. I can... Okay, he's the Italian one. And then the French had their own. I think that's right. So, anyway, she is now... Her marriage is recently annulled. And so Henry's like, hey, why don't you marry my baby brother, Humphrey? And she's like, all right. So Humphrey of Gloucester and Joanna of Hainault get married. And so now Henry's basically married off his brothers to all of these various kingdoms. So he's unified England, France, Spain, Portugal, Italy, parts of Italy, and the the northern regions of Holland and Belgium. But not the Dutch. But not, well, the Dutch are up there. Oh, yeah, yeah. So So yes, the Dutch. Yeah. (laughs) This is amazing. So um. Everyone's like, we only got one thing left to do, boys. And what's that? Party. No. What we got Invest. Left? Sorry, I'm still trying to look up this anti-pope stuff. A crusade. There it is. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Everyone's, I, I, that's not what I was we're thinking. We're all but. together. We're all on the same page. Fellas, we got to go on a crusade. All right. So there's all this. People are thinking maybe we got to go on this crusade. Um, but meanwhile, you've got these southern French who are not cool with what's going on. Right. Okay. Let's move on. Sorry, uh, the, just because yep. I'm digging mm-hmm. into this, I was looking at the wrong Pope Benedict the Thirteenth. Apparently, oh, I think there you the go. one at the time was born in modern day Spain. Did you say that was one of the options? Uh, he was no Aragon. Yeah, this is he. This is uh, 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 this was what 14, 1420s? Yes, so that would be then um, Pedro Martinez de Luna, who was born in Aragon. Hmm. There you go. There's your fun fact for the day. Okay. Um, also, part of the the Treaty of Troy uh, or Troyes is that uh, Henry V marries crazy Charles's daughter, Catherine. She's going to be very important, not for today's podcast, but she's going to be very important later. And it's a super fun scene she, in oh, the yes. movie. Where she doesn't know, or in, the, in Henry V, where she can't speak English, and so and she he's, has... He's trying to he's trying his best to flirt with her. It's awesome. Yeah. And she is asking her chambermaid how to pronounce the various, like, some vocabulary. So they're saying, like, how do you pronounce this? And she's pointing a finger and elbow... 
and uh, and and she's like Fangre, Elbo. It's a it's a delightful <laughs> scene in Henry V, and it's it's really weird to read, but it is delightful if you watch it because it's writing it out the pronunciation. All it's writing like out that? the pronunciation, and yeah, a, and a good that. actress is one who is going to bring out that like. So here's somebody you're going to marry. This dashing. Yet military, maybe gruff, but like the, the sort of flower of chivalry, and uh, it's it's just and you wonderful. Met him today. And you met him right. today, and you're kind of infatuated, but your brother hates him, and he kind of has destroyed your kingdom. But he's also going to be your husband, right. and so it's you know there's a lot of interesting things going on in that scene. Okay, um, so um, meanwhile, in the south of France, they uh, the rest of the uh, the forces get together, and they're like, listen. This is bad. We lost France. We should get together and we should, you know, uh, uh, build up an army to um, to take out. Uh, we should sort of, you know, pull ourselves together, put aside our petty differences because there were still some rival factions in the south. Put aside our petty differences and go and mount an assault against the French, against the English. We this shouldn't stand. Apparently, there was this very famous scene. I didn't research it too much. But where these two rival factions in the South who hated each other decided to have, like, a, a peace summit where they got together and they were like, okay, let's set aside our differences and go against the common enemy. And they were almost at the point where they, like, hammered out their differences. And one guy was like, I just can't do it! And took out his axe and axed his rival in the forehead and killed him. Whoa. Um, and, uh, and that sort of put an end to <laughs> the, uh, the ability to, like, rouse an army to go attack Henry. Yes. Um, uh, Dan Jones in his book, The War of the Roses, uh, quotes a guy um, uh, from antiquity who said this. Um, uh, let's see. At a crisis meeting held between the factions on a bridge in the town of Montreux on September 10th, 1419, John the Fearless, Duke of Burgundy, who had claimed control of the king, queen, and court, was murdered by an uh, Armanac loyalist who smashed his face and head with an axe. Many years later, the duke's skull was kept as a curiosity by the Carthusian monks at Dijon, the prior of the monastery, showing the skull to the visiting king, Francois I, explained that it was through the, this hole in the cranium that the English had entered France. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, any sort of rebellion against the British at this point was stopped by that big axing at the bridge. Did you find it, Hannibal? Yeah, I found the scene between Catherine and King Henry, and it's... it's I've never read it before, and it's really adorable. Let's see. Fair Catherine and most fair, will you vouchsafe to teach a soldier terms such as will enter a lady's ear and plead his love suit to her gentle heart? And she says, Your majesty shall mock at me. I cannot speak your England. <laughs> he says, Oh, fair Catherine, if you will love me soundly with your French heart, I will be glad to hear you confess it brokenly with your English tongue. Do you... Like me, Kate? <laughs> she says, pardon moi, I cannot tell what is like me. <laughs> it's great. Oh, the whole oh, scene is so amazing. good. It just goes on and on. Oh, it's just adorable. Yep. I am yours. Then yours is France and you are mine. I cannot tell what is that. <laughs> it's, it's so cute. It's, it's so cute. I do not know that. It's so cute. So, oh, man. Okay, so now Henry is married to Catherine. And Catherine, as queen, has inherited all this land, all these castles and everything. So they're rich. So they're rich. And a part of uh, her inheritance is going to be some, some of her favorite places are in Kent, which is on the southeastern tip of England, which is really close to France. Makes sense. And also another favorite part is going to be up in Wales, which is going to be very important later. Um, 
But anyway. You smirk like she's going to have a boy up there. Oh, Is she going to have a boy up there? Well, okay, Henry V. Henry V and yes. Catherine, yeah. uh, and, and, and Queen Catherine have a child. Henry, the, uh, little baby Henry, that they name Henry. Um, so Catherine is pregnant, and Henry, King Henry V says, baby, I gotta go France. Uh, we got more wars to do. Um, I got business over there, and um, uh, you stay here. You'll be all pregnant, and um, and these ladies will take care of you. I'll be back. I'll be back before long. He left his pregnant wife? Yeah, this happens all the time. It happens all the time. And she's like, okay. He's just um, had it with the cravings. He's it, like, not, not today. Yeah. So she gives birth to baby Henry and sends word to Henry in France that he has a son and he is overjoyed. He will never see his son Mm. and never meet him. She goes to France to be with him and leaving little King, uh, Prince, uh, little Prince of Wales uh, back home, Henry VI, uh, with care of wet nurses and whatnot. And off she goes and she sees Henry V in France. And when she gets there, she realizes that the war and the campaign has taken its toll. He does not look healthy. In fact, something's up. He looks pretty sick. And in fact, it's not long before they realize he's dying. Mm. He, oh, no. he got the bloody flux. He got what? dysentery. Oh. Dysentery. Well, he's got the poops. I know, yeah. just like dying in uh, Oregon Trail. Yeah. Remember mm. that game where you yeah. die of dysentery? Poop yourself to death. Yep. So he gets the bloody flux. He gets dysentery. And it's I true. hate that name so much. The bloody, the bloody flux. flux. I hate that so much. Terrible. And in 1422, he dies. Mm. And... Like, all of this promise goes up in smoke. Um, This is what uh, Churchill has to say about this, about his death. Perhaps if he had lived the normal span, his power, the normal span, his power might have become the servant of his virtues and produced the harmonies and tolerances which mankind so often seeks in vain. But death drew his scythe across these prospects. The gleaming king, cut off untimely, went to his tomb amid the lamentations of his people, and the crown passed to his son, an infant nine months old. Hmm. So... Yeah, that's well written. Yeah. Well, Churchill's, that's Churchill, Churchill's right? amazing. Dang. Yeah, it's so good. That's nice. So now the king, the crown king of France and England is a nine-month-old baby. This is precarious. Is now, he valiant Yes. his father? <laughs> He's a great nine-month-old. <laughs> we also have, um, you also have, you know, an able-bodied Prince Dauphin who says that the crown is his. Okay, we got a boogie. Um, now, before Henry died, he was on his deathbed, and he's like, all right, we got to take care of some, some business because I'm dying, boys. And um, so we got to figure out who's in charge of France, who's in charge of England, who's in charge of Henry. This is what we got to do because I'm dying. So Also, can I say, don't boogie. We're enjoying mm. this. Take okay. your time. Right. Like, there's no reason to... Okay. Just why, another, why, why speed these episodes up? Because we want to get to Joan of Arc. Just do another episode. Okay. Just do another episode. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, Although it'll make my intro make no sense at all. Now. Less sense than it already less makes. Sense, yes. So, um... Perdcast. Two months... <laughs> Perdcast. Perdcast. Two months <laughs> after Henry V dies, crazy King Charles dies, which complicates oh, matters way more. worse. Yeah. Because now the baby is the king of France. And meanwhile, you've got a capable, competent, and angry Charles the Prince, Dauphin, in the south with an army being like, that crown is mine. Um, <laughs> Give it he, to me, baby. And he wants to be Charles VII. <laughs> and in fact, <laughs> in fact, most people in the south of France refer to him as King Charles VII. They're like, you're king, buddy. Like, it doesn't matter what the English say you are. You are the king. Um, and so uh, he's down there. Uh, meanwhile, so when Henry Dett was dying, he said, okay, here's how we're going to divvy this up. Duke of Bedford, 
Oh, meanwhile, remember Thomas, Thomas uh, Duke of Clarence, who was going to go and uh, take over Naples? Yes. Well, the reason Henry left his pregnant wife to go to France was because his headstrong brother, Thomas of Clarence, died in battle. Uh, he was apparently, like, just a crazy, rage, suicidal warrior. Uh, he was like Leroy Jenkins into the fray, mm-hmm. right? Like, not great. And so he, if you don't know what that means, you can Google it, um, he just throws himself headlong into battle and gets himself killed. And so, okay, there goes Nap- Napoli. So the Duke of Clarence is gone. Um, and so he, all he has left is John, the Duke of Bedford, his brother, and he's known as being, like, very calculated, not calculating in a bad way, but very, like, sort of stoic and sober, a sober strategist is one way of describing him. That was John, Duke of Bedford. And then Humphrey, Duke of Gloucester, who was married to the cute, uh, what was her name? Jacqueline. Uh-huh. Cute Jackie from, from Holland. Um, he was known, he was uh, an interesting guy. And, um, but he was a little more headstrong. We'll, we'll talk more about him in, in greater detail. He's a little more headstrong, but he's got these two brothers. Duke of Bedford, John, Duke of Bedford, Humphrey, Duke of Gloucester. And, he's, and so dying Henry says, all right, boys. And Humphrey's up. the one that he saved. Humphrey's the one that yeah. he saved. He's like, all right, boys, listen up. Duke of Bedford, um, I want you to take care of all the French stuff. So you're basically like the regent in France. So as when little baby Henry uh, is growing up, you take care of France. You just make sure that everything in France is going okay. And, Henry, and Duke of Bedford's like, yep, I can rock and roll, let's do that. He goes to this other guy, the Duke of Exeter, Thomas Beaufort, who's not, he's related, but he's not his brother. And he says, all right, Duke of Exeter, I want you to take care of Henry's stuff. Find him a tutor, find him a nurse, find him, surround him with good friends, um, teach him how to ride, teach him how to hunt, teach him how to do all this awesome stuff. Uh, uh, Beaufort, you're in charge of Henry, Duke of Exeter. Beaufort is like, on it. You can die in peace. And then he goes to Humphrey, and he's like, all right, uh, Humphrey, you're in charge of England. You can basically be regent. And uh, Parliament, not cool with this. Parliament's mm. like, whoa, Duke of Gloucester, he's a loose cannon. Um, and they thought that maybe he was going to, like, angle for the throne himself. And they thought he was kind of headstrong. And everyone's kind of worried about Gloucester. Worried that Humphrey is kind of this, this loose cannon. Um, and um, uh, let's, so let's talk about Humphrey, Duke of Gloucester. So after his brush with death, he's yeah. just freewheeling? Yeah. Yes. So he was a scholar. He loved reading. He lo- uh, was sort of like a budding humanist, if you could sort of call it that at the time. The dude loved alchemy. He thought it was the coolest thing in the world. He was like, we're turning lead to gold, boys. Um, uh, he was all about, like, leveling up the alchemy skill. Like, that was his, that was his deal. Um, Did he dabble in the weird black magic I don't. He didn't it? dabble in the black magic part, but he thought that, like, he, he, he was sort of... Uh, he was into the fringy stuff. He loved learning about all the mysteries of the universe. He read all these books. Like making geos yeah. glow and stuff. Yeah, he mm-hmm. bought, had a huge library. Um, and this uh, is our loose cannon? And this is our loose cannon. And, okay. But he was also, he was, you he's, know. He's doing his science again. <laughs> I know, <Yeah>. right? <laughs> that loose um, cannon. So he, he had a very pretty wife. Everyone loved Jacqueline. She was just like the toast of the parties. She was cute. Um, she was like, de- pardon me, demure and lovely. Um, he was also in favor of like, greater increased trade. So he wanted to do like trade, which is probably influenced from the fact that his wife was, you know, from the, mm. from the Dutch region, which was known for doing lots of trading because of the river routes and all that kind of stuff. He's a cool dude, but he's super headstrong and he's kind of belligerent. So if you get on his bad side, he would kind of use his smarts to like belittle you 
and make you feel like an idiot. And he thought that, you know, his poo don't stink. Like, he thought it was the greatest thing ever. Sure. Um, so um, uh, uh, Parliament's a little concerned with, with, the, with the Duke of Gloucester. He then um, has an affair with Jacqueline's chambermaid, mm. and she's, she's ticked. Yeah. And he's like, I don't care. And he divorces her. Wow. He gets an annulment and divorces her and marries a chambermaid. And everyone's like, this is a red flag. Seriously. Yeah. And Jacqueline is distraught. And everyone in England is super ticked because yeah. everyone loved Jacqueline, uh, the princess. Or I don't know if she's a princess, but everyone loved her. Um, they were very upset that he divorced her. Um, and, um, and at this point, his brother, John, the Duke of Bedford, who was in uh, France, he kind of got alerted and he was a little concerned. He's like, whoa, sounds like uh, Humphrey's kind of like uh, coming apart here. And Parliament wanted to renege on Humphrey's ability to be the regent in, Fran- in England. Right. And they came to Bedford and they're like, John, you got to lock your brother up. You got to get your brother in control. And Bedford's like, you know what? You're right. And he comes back and he sits his brother down. And he's like, listen, your life's falling apart. You divorced your wife and she's awesome. You are headstrong. You're into this weird stuff. And everyone's kind of concerned that you're going to go nuts and like mount a rebellion and take over the crown for yourself. I don't care that you were wounded at age in court. Like you, you got to pull it together. What do you think happened? He took his brother's advice. No. And <laughs> followed it all to a T. Yeah, you set it up. Remarried that, his wife. Yeah, you said he's headstrong, so clearly well, he does none of those AJ things. AJ is exactly right. What? Gloucester's wow. like, you know what? Gloucester capitulates and retreats from public life. Wow. And he says, Does okay. he stick with the chambermaid or does he wear, uh, wear his wife? I think again? he sticks with the chambermaid. But she's, he's like, he sort of, to his, to his uh, credit, he kind of like pulls back wow. and is like, all right, um, people are kind of concerned. He's like, for the good of France, but... Not just for the good of England, for the good of Henry VI. There was a tremendous amount of goodwill that they wanted this boy to be successful. Because they had had so many examples of crappy boy kings that turn out to be terrible, like Richard II from last episode. And from before, that everybody would, like, everyone's doing it for Henry VI. They're like, we need this kid to be good. Meanwhile, Henry VI is growing up, and we'll talk more about him in the next episode, but... All we need to know about him is uh, that he was, he never met his dad. Um, uh, he was very pious um, and he was um, like incredibly religious. He was a king that he said, he, he many times during his reign, he asked if he could abdicate to go be a monk. And they're like, no, dude, you're the king. Um, a lot of people ascribed his piety to the fact that his mom, Catherine, um, uh, had the holy relic of Jesus' foreskin with her okay. um, when she gave birth to him um, because that was supposed to be a, uh, the holy foreskin was supposed to be something that aided in birth. And everyone ascribed Henry's piety to the relic that his mother carried when she was pregnant. Okay, so I can get no, behind. No, 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 <laughs> nope, we're going to move past it. We have to move past it. You really want to dwell on this? Yeah. Okay, I, great. I, I, I so a lot of relics, I'm like, okay, that could be the real, the real one. I, there's yeah. no way there's they no kept way. that. There's no way. Because how, how would they have known he was yeah, going to be? I know. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's move on, please. Yeah. For the love okay. Of all Moving good. on. Thank you. <laughs> so Gloucester capitulated, capitulated, and England kind of, England kind of settles into this lull. England sort of says, all right, we got to raise this kid so he gets a great tutor. We'll talk about that stuff next time. Meanwhile, in France, things are not going great. 
Um, Bedford is fighting these battles against sort of the the, the, the angry French, and they they were cool with Henry V. They're not cool with a baby. Mm, sure. I don't want no baby king. I want uh, I want like you know the Dauphin king. The Dauphin. Yeah. Okay. Meanwhile, in a small town in France, there was a girl, a peasant girl, who worked at this inn. Um, her job, her dad ran the inn, and her job was when all the people came and left their horses, she was to take the horse, and she would ride the horse uh, um, bareback to the stream and water the horse and then bring the horse back and put him in the stables. This was her job. Her name was Joan. Um, young Joan was watering a horse one day when she was visited by St. Michael, the angel. And St. Michael came to her and he's like, listen, Joan, my heart breaks for France. Um, uh, you guys have it rough and you got this like baby king that's English who's not even French and um, I just wanted to let you know Joan that you have been commissioned by God to lead the French army into victory and to crown Charles as Charles VII in the holy city of Reims um, uh, which is uh, uh, sometimes called Reims or rhymes or whatever, but but Reims is how it's sort of the French pronunciation. Anyway, it's the city where the kings were crowned. Get crowned, right? Um, and she was like, "I'm not doing that," and she kind of left. But she was like, "Man, Saint Michael, like an angel, an angel says you're fighting an army. You got to take that seriously." She went home. She was kind of concerned. Apparently, two other saints came to her in the night, and they're like, "Listen, you can do this. We're, God has commanded it." And Joan says, "Okay." Um, uh, you're going to command the armies of liberation. So she was scared, but then she agreed. So she goes to her dad and she says, hey, I had a vision of St. Michael. He said, I need to go to the court of the king to lead the armies. Um, and dad's like, nope, you're watering the horses. <laughs> right. And um, <laughs> and so then she went to her local like lord, who's like this two-bit peasant farmer right. lord, right? Like not an important guy. And she comes to him and she says, I had a vision from God. And he's like, you had a vision from God? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, you got to go to the king's court right now. And she's like, yeah. And so he brings her to the king's court. And rumors yeah, no, rumors started that this saint from God was coming to lead the art. Like, the right. story came around because it's a great story. And Charles VII was like, there's no way. Um, uh, for, at this time, there was a lot of rumors going around that Charles VII was a bastard. He wasn't actually the crazy kids, the crazy king's son. And he really, this really hurt him. Like, uh, he believed, he kind of internalized these, these mm. rumors and he kind of believed it and it really hurt his self-esteem. Okay. Um, but you know, there's all these rumors that his mom was kind of loose. Um, and well, she had a crazy hu husband, right? right. Yeah, so, the husband was yeah, a nutcase. Husband, right. So she, uh, and so there's always these rumors that he was not related to his father. And this really upset him. Anyway, so he hears that this saintly woman is coming, and so what he does is, in the court, he dresses up as a commoner. He dresses up as, like, just a regular person, and he is interspersed and intermingled in the crowd. Joan comes in, um, and uh, Joan comes in, and she immediately goes up to the king, mm. and she says this. Let's see if I can find it. Um... Um, she says, most noble Lord Dauphin, I am Joan the Maid, sent on the part of God to aid you and the kingdom. And by his order, I announce that you will be crowned in the city of Reims. And he was touched. Yeah. 
he was like, oh my word. He's, he saw this as like divine confirmation of his patronage, of his, like, of, his, of his dad, of being his dad's son. And he was apparently very um, encouraged that, that this happened. No, uh, um, and so immediately he called a bunch of theologians and he's like, all right, guys, is this legit or is she a witch? And they're like, we're on it. And so they went off to their room and they like started doing studying and like looked into it. And like there's a pro con list yeah, and she, yeah. they've got right. like cons, black yeah. cat, no. long yeah. black hair, <laughs> uh-huh. broom, came here on a broom, once had a yeah. wart. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so the theologians got to work on, is she legit or not? But meanwhile, the people were like, oh, thank goodness God is going to save France. Um, and so all of this uh, uh, sort of fervor came along and she said, all I need is uh, a sword in armor, and she said, I need, the, 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 I need this old, ancient, sacred sword of France. And the king was like, huh, describe it. And she did, wow. to perfect detail. And he's like, all right, it's yours. He went and got the old sacred sword of France, gave it to her, and she rode in. She, uh, meanwhile, the city of Orléans was under siege, and she's like, I'm going to go liberate them. And the king of France was like, knock yourself out. Right. <laughs> Be my <laughs> Go for it, girl. Yeah. So she uh, gets the army. She dresses in plain armor. She rides the horse. Apparently when she, she went, when she was riding off from where the king was stationed to Orléans, she couches her lance and all the peasants wept with joy uh, that this woman was going to go save them. Wasn't she like 14? Uh, I don't know how old she was. She was pretty young. Anyway, um, she goes off to France. She goes off to the siege of Orléans. Sieges are terrible businesses. It's just like waiting things out. Rumor comes that an agent of God himself is coming to bis- to lift the siege of Orléans, and the English were like, oh, "That doesn't sound good. That actually sounds bad." Um, and so they were kind of nervous. They were nervous that Joan was coming to uh, um, to lift this siege. Right. Um, and at this point, the theologians came back and they're like, "We crunched the numbers." totally legit. Oh. She's fine. Okay. She's sent from God. Um, things checked out. She is a maid. She's not a witch. Um, a maid meaning she's a virgin. Right. Um, she's not a witch. Uh, uh, these, visions, these visions make sense. We asked about in her village. They said she's real pious and real cool. Um, and of course she had this, like she could pick out the Dauphin. She could describe the sword. Mm-hmm. There was other things that she could do that she shouldn't have been able she to do. She hadn't cast any spells. That's right. Yep. She understood <clears throat> some of these like secret things that were happening. Not secret, like just military things that she had no way of knowing. She's like. So well, what do you make of all this? We'll get to that. Maybe maybe that's a good uh, in thing between, the in between. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so she goes off and she uh, attacks the siege at Orléans. She's struck with an arrow in her shoulder. Everyone's like, ooh, she rips the arrow out. She um, uh, says some patriotic things about God and, and France. Um, and for, you know, she gets she cl- she uh, uh, climbs up the siege work. She instantly gets kicked off the siege work. She falls in a ditch. She says, "Forward, fellow countrymen! God has delivered them into our hands." And all the French are like, "Yes." <laughs> they go, and the English are like, "All right, we're out of here." Right. Um, the English leave, and she lifts the siege of Orleans. Wow. She has um, apparently the famous 20 victories. She has 19 more victories after this of of like liberating towns. And um, uh, she eventually then on June of 1429, she um, uh, um, takes Charles to the ancient city of of Reims and he is crowned 
King Charles VII. So she um, does it. She does it. Yeah. And he Dang. becomes king, and she is there resplendent in her ar- in her armor, holding a banner that that sings God's praises. And um, and then when that was done, she came to the king and she says, "All right, I'm going home." Right. And he says, mm, <laughs> "You're pretty useful." Right. And she's like, I, she says, I no longer hear from God. Uh, 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 the, the voices from heaven are no longer speaking to me. Um, I have completed everything that I was meant to do. I'm going back. And he's like, nope, you're not. Uh, I'm making you an earl. I'm giving you an earldom. And you are now a noblewoman. And I'm putting you in charge of, you know, this brigade or whatever. And you are now part of my court. And you're going to listen to me. I'm your king. She says, I don't want to do that, but Okay. Um, uh, oh, I feel like she's going to die. She says yeah. that the voices never returned, that she was, oh, the voices returned at the end. But she said that she never heard from heaven again. Um, and, uh, it be, and then it became pretty clear that, uh, well, this is what, um, this is what Churchill says. Uh, when it came to Joan being uh, mixed in court politics, uh, Churchill says this. It became clear that she served God rather than the church right. and France rather than the Orléans party. Right. Um, this is probably the beginning of an understanding of French as a people. She was probably one of the first people that thought of the nation of France, that we are the French people, whereas you have these different houses, Burgundians and the Orleans and the Dijon and all these various regions. She served God and the French, which is why she was so revered by the peasantry. Um, anyway, um, so she fights these battles. She's not nearly as effective as she was before. And she was at this one battle where she was in town, and the only way to lift the siege was she decided she was going to go in a sortie. That's where you get a bunch of men, and you lower the drawbridge, and you go out, and you hack and slash a bunch of dudes, and you go back into the house, and back into the, the town and lift the drawbridge. So she goes on this sortie. Um, while she's out on this sortie, uh, the battle does not go well, and the mayor of the town freaks out and thinks the English are going to... Uh, invade the town, and he lifts the drawbridge, well, and she is captured yeah. by the uh, the Burgundians, who immediately sell her to the English. She goes before Henry V's brother, John, Duke of uh, Bedford, and um, he uh, immediately says, all right, well, you're a witch. Um, <laughs> we're going to put you on trial for your crazy witch stuff um, because you said you hear voices and you're our enemy, and you got all these theologians, and they did this big, um, uh, um, basically like inquisition. And for a long time she held out and she said, you know, uh, uh, these were voices, actually voices from God, blah, 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 blah. You know, uh, she was held true to what was happening. The stories differ. Um, uh, one of the biggest, um, the biggest, uh, uh, sort of charges against her was that because she rode out in armor and had to wear men's clothing, that they thought that she was some kind of like, like weird, uh, like man woman like th- there was just basically these charges against her femininity and all these kinds of things um, and um, at one point she oh, and then apparently one guard like left a little suit of armor and like all her old uh, clothes out there to taunt her uh, in the cell like are you going to put on your armor are you going to be like a boy soldier again Joan um, at one point apparently she recanted mm. and said yes under duress, yes, I uh, made it all up. And they're like, cool, all right, we're going to burn you alive um, and as a witch. And then that night, um, she actually said, no, I, no, these, vo-, apparently the voices came back to her and were like, be strong, Joan, we're with you, you're doing the right thing. And so she came to her jailers 
And she put on the armor and put on the clothes and said that I am Joan of Arc and I am doing the will of the Lord. Um, and they're like, well, it's too late. We're going to burn you anyway. And they brought her to this, to the, to the burning pyre. Um, and, um, in, in the town of Rouen, um, and they, uh, high upon the, the sort of the, the, the pile of wood as it started to burn, um, um, she took a burning, uh, she took a, uh, uh, some of the branches and she made it into a burning cross and she held this burning cross in her hand and she lifted her eyes to heaven and proclaimed the name of Jesus and died. Her last words were Jesus holding this burning branded, this burning cross. And one of the soldiers, British soldiers who was there, who recorded this for all history said, we are lost for we have burnt a saint. Wow. And, the, and a lot of people in England saw this as a bad omen. And at this point, um, the battle in France turned. And within a year, the French pushed the Duke of Bedford and all of the English out of France. Uh, all of Henry V's lands were lost. There was no more Englishmen in France. And they all went back to England. And this began the darkest period mm. of English medieval oh history, wow. which is known as the War of the Roses. Yeah. So people, you know, in the in the public consciousness, they saw the, the burning of Joan of Arc the Saint as this, like, the beginning of this blackest period of English history. Dang. Yeah. yeah. That's, I never knew that. That is awesome. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so poor Joan of Arc. We can talk about what we think about that in the in-between episode about, is it God? Was she schizophrenic? Like, what's going on? Uh, but it's, um, I mean, yeah, still, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of pretty awesome. It is. Yeah. it is. Yes. That, and, um, yeah, that's a way to go to holding up a burning cross while you're right. burning and proclaiming the name of Christ. Wow. And yeah, I'll probably um, go with like some sort of heart aneurysm or something. Yeah. But and the little soldiers are like, Oh, are we the baddies? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this may have been a misstep. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Um, so that's, uh, that's Henry V. And so now. The stage is set. France is lost. You have at this point, like Charles, uh, sorry, Henry the Sixth is a little kid, and uh, he's living his little idyllic life in these castles, uh-huh. being given everything he can to make him a great king. Um, but his dad just lost, or sorry, his uncle just lost France, and his other uncle just divorced his wife and retreated from public life. And um, everyone is going to, everyone is all focused on making Henry the Sixth the basically the image of what his father could have been if his father had was alive. You're really hinting that it's not going to go that direction. Uh, Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, how's it? Cool. Well, this has been Classical Stuff You Should Know. Please forgive our silly French accents. We have a deep and lasting respect for the nation of France. Mm. Uh, And we appreciate you listening. You can find us at classicalstuff.net. You can tweet at us at stuff. You can also sign up for our Patreon and hello to all of our Patreon subscribers. We are so thankful for you and what you do to help us out. Um, our The in-between episode that we were mentioning is actually what we're going to record right after we finish recording this. And that is something you can get access to at the $10 level on our Patreon. So if you feel like hearing more of us, <laughs> I'm not forcing you. But if you do <laughs> feel like it, you can find us on Patreon. And until then, we will see you next time. So thanks for tuning in. This has been Classical Stuff. And uh, bye. Bye. Ciao.